Let's go here. Second. Hello, everyone. Give us a second to get the stream set up, which is missing. Hold on. Okay, I don't have my, uh, there it is. Sorry about that. Okay, we are, now we're really live. We're live everywhere before we're just live in one place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Live. I'm your host, the CEO of MediaGel, Jake Litke. Today, we have some esteemed members from the Cheech and Chong team here. We have Brooke Magnum, the C CMO, and Jonathan Black, the CEO. Brooke, maybe you could give everyone a quick introduction uh, of yourself and how you found yourself being the CMO of Cheech and Chong Brands. Pure luck. No, I, my, like you said, my name is Brooke and I my background is in broadcasting. So I've been on rock radio for years. Also, I anchored for CBS for a number of years. But really what got me into broadcasting and marketing in general was I love telling stories. I love being a part of watching a brand grow. And that's really what, what marketing has always been for me is being able to see something that is amazing that's happening and being able to be a part of that story and of that legacy. And I luckily got to be working with Cheech and Chong, which if you are talking about cannabis, there is no greater legacy than Cheech and Chong. And we, we really, at the marketing department, Cheech and Chong, it's, it's playtime over here. The fact that we get to be a part of such an amazing legacy and historic brand. And our job is just to make sure that we maintain and keep that going. So that's, that's basically what, what we're doing over here in a nutshell. So it's great to meet everybody and we're excited to be here. Well, your background in broadcast is now making me a little nervous. Uh, you obviously have a lot more experience with the microphone, but I will do my best to not embarrass you. No, I'm used to asking the questions, Jake. That's the, the weird thing is the role reversal that we're having here. Okay. Uh, Jonathan. Yes, I'm Jonathan Black. I'm the CEO of Cheech and Chong Global Holdings, uh, Cheech and Chong Cannabis Co., uh, diverse background of building things from grand, ground up, from tech to real estate uh, to different retail businesses, so service businesses, so on and so forth. So I found myself with this really this golden opportunity to to do something with the brand and and to bring it together. The guys were kind of doing separate stuff when I when I came on board with. Uh, the Cheech brand and Tommy's brand, and uh, they still exist. We're still using those brands uh, successfully, but um, we brought along the Cheech and Chong brand. And along the way, I met uh, Brooke and Brandon <laughs> and the rest of the team. And it's just been an amazing experience to see how far this can develop and uh, just the fan support and the interaction yeah. and engagement we get on a daily basis uh, is just just amazing. Um, these guys obviously been famous for 50 plus years. So one of the goals coming out of the gate was not to ruin that, right? That 50 year. Yes, uh, that's the goal. Definitely a lot of pressure in, uh, in taking on this job. But um, yeah, no, it's been it's been an amazing ride. Uh, and we just continue to grow in, in different spaces. And just so excited to be a, a part of this, uh, this, uh, this adventure with everybody. And uh, thank you, Jake, for having us on. It's great to be here. A uh, long time no see. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. I uh... I'm super excited this about this because I uh, I had the tape when I was a kid of Cheech and Chong's greatest hit. I can if you played that I could probably word for word almost every single skit. Although maybe some of them are a little less appropriate these days. Um, 
but great comedy nonetheless. And so it's it's been great. I, I went to an event that you had uh, when you launched the Chichalada product, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and uh, there was a crazy amount of people there uh, trying to see Cheech and Chong. The line was out the door. Uh, there were some a lot of people with some looked like very vintage records. Yes. Um, did they yeah. even manage to get? Well, I I had to leave, but there was like hundreds of people still waiting to see them. Whatever. <laughs> did, did, Everybody did. left happy. I will say that we did buy some chicheladas for some people that waited in line for hours and hours. But what you just touched on is something that we experience all the time. Being able to do and be a part of the meet and greets is one of the, my favorite parts of the of the job. And it's honestly the best way to get to know your consumer that there's no other greater case study that you can do than go to the meet and greet. And every single person has a story like what you just shared, Jake. They have a personal connection to these guys and to this brand. And it's a memory with their father. It's like, that was the only thing that we could connect on was laughing to your records. And it's something really special to be a part of that legacy and to see how it's really impacted lives. And that's our goal is to continue that impact and be able to have that connection with people as they grow up and as they pass on Cheech and Chong to, to their kids. Great. Um, so I have a little video that you put together. I'm going to attempt to play this. Um, let's see if I can make this work inside of Zoom. I see the video. I haven't actually tried to play a video inside of what does this do? Well, well, we might have to come back to that. Can you see the video of Tommy Chong there? Tommy's I, up on my screen. Yeah. Uh, up on my screen as well. Okay. Let's see if I can make it play now. He has a good pause face, so that's nice for Tommy. That's good. We're not giving him like the <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, what does this button do here? Well, yeah. that's recording, sharing sound live. All right, oh, there we go. Let me, I think I can start it over now. Awesome. Okay. I'm All glad right. you're doing this and not me. Yeah. Tech yeah. is not my thing, uh, for, I'll let everybody know. Okay, here we go. Let's try this now. There we go. So many little windows. All right. <laughs> Here we go, playing video, take three. Hey man, it's me, Tommy Chong. Hey, you may know me for Chong and Cheech and Chong and all our classic movies. Am I driving okay? Or maybe we met on a spiritual plane. So either way, uh, Cheech and I have been trying to spread the joy and the goodness of cannabis for over 50 years. Of course, it didn't always work out like we planned. But we never stop focusing on our mission to bring the plant to the people. Of course, while enjoying it ourselves. Yeah, we've had some crazy adventures on this journey, and there's more in store. So if you're ready to join us on our next cosmic voyage, just hop in, man. All right. I think that played successfully. Okay. There we go. Um, all right. So I did see you have Chichalada in there. Um, and we really have a broad thing, number of things to talk about, because you have, as you said, it's a Cheech and Chong holding company. You have a lot of different things going on. Maybe Jonathan, you could start by um, sort of outlining the different parts of the business and how they interact so that we can ask questions and get questions from the audience on, on what, what it is we're talking about. Yeah. You know, the, the ultimate goal of the company is to get products into everybody's hands. And obviously with regulated markets, that that's very tough in, in a lot of cases. 
So we have a CBD line, uh, Tommy Chung CBD line, which is, is a great line. We've had that for years. It does very well on the B2C side um, and getting that in the hands of people. Uh, and then we built out a Delta 9 line, which is our drinks and our gummies, uh, which is the, the gummies traditionally been B2C, but the drinks are now B2B. And we have a lot of distributors uh, moving that beer, beer distributors are moving that in, uh, in two states right now, but we're looking to put more on the board rather quickly. Um, and then we have the, the licensing that division on the regulated side. And so we have a wholesale license, we have a delivery license, and we have a retail uh, license um, play. And so what we've done there is we've created Cheech and Chong dispensarias, uh, and we do the look, the feel, the design. Uh, you know, we're trying to get 100 open in the next year. We're on our way. I uh, got some open in Massachusetts, uh, moving quickly to New Mexico, Mississippi, and California. So, you know, that's been an amazing experience. It has a look, the feel, the fun, everything that the brand has. Uh, it's brought that in, captured it. And then we also help with the marketing uh, around that. So it's been it's been fantastic. But, you know, the whole premise is to get both the integration from regulated to unregulated market space, not only from marketing, but from products and from branding. And so, you know, kind of building those those different pillars around the marketplace is huge, right? And it gives us a, a much longer reach to our customer to get the feedback, to get the knowledge we need from them, to continue building great products uh, for Tommy and Cheech. So just been, just been amazing in that sense. And, uh, you know, really on the retail side, uh, is, has been so much fun setting up the Massachusetts ones, yeah. um, and, and moving forward quickly into other States with, with more retail dispensaries that are called Cheech and Chong dispensarias. Yeah, that's great. Let's dive in on that a little bit, because that is the topic we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> we'll likely get off on some tangents at some point, because there's so Love many a tangent. things we're doing. <laughs> um, Cheech and Chong Dispensaria. Mm -hmm. What is what does that mean for both the both the consumer that's coming into the store and mm -hmm. someone who's who's running that? There are some similar types of um, cannabis companies that have done tried to replicate brands across different state lines in a licensing model. I know from talking to you that you have a, a different approach. Um, maybe you could outline like how your brand Cheech and Chong works with someone who's running a retail location. And what does that activation look like? Yeah, the activation is pretty simple. Once we get through the, obviously the legal side of, of the agreements, we get right into the design work, right? And so we have a massive portfolio of designs that we can work within any space, right? To set up. So it has a look in the feel of, of the other dispensarias and the look and the feel of the brand that, you know, Jasmine and uh, in Brooke and, and Jace have worked so hard to make sure that that stuff gets set up uh, correctly. Um, and then from there, they, they can carry, you know, obviously we'd, we'd love them to carry with just our products, but that's right. not, that's not the pitch here. You know, we, we really do want to, to be welcoming, right. To, to people that, that have curiosity and want to come into the regulated market. Right. So we're, we're looking with our brand to engage those people to come in, uh, and work with the bud tenders to explain what those products are. Uh, you know, because someone that, may see a dispensary and it has some name and they're not familiar with it may just decide to keep driving right on by. Right. But mm -hmm. when they see the Cheech and Chong dispensaria more often than not, they're going to stop and want and have curiosity to come in and we want to make it in, inviting. And, you know, definitely mm -hmm. we have that sense of humor that the guys have and try to portray that look and feel throughout the whole store. Yeah. Uh, so that, 
customers can enjoy their experience, right? Like, and, and give us feedback on it and, and get to know new things on the regulated market that they may not know, right? From, from bud tenders and bud tender training and, and so on and so forth. So we really work hand in hand with the owner. We don't want to, you know, as a Steve Jobs approach, really, like you don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. <laughs> uh, we don't want to go in there and necessarily run a, a dispensary as business by any stretch of imagination. They have buying patterns and they have an understanding of the marketplace. That's, that's great. What they need is visibility in the market, right? And that's what we're bringing to them. Uh, you know, here's a Cheech and Chong branded store. It has a look, the feel. We're behind it on the marketing efforts. The guys are behind it. We're doing everything we can from a social media standpoint, uh, even even a paid asset standpoint, to drive traffic there. And 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 once they're there, then we let the smart people do what they need to do. And just yeah. for everyone that doesn't work with Cheech and Chong on a daily basis, that's who the guys are. You mentioned yes. guys support it. Yes, yeah. I know. I do the same thing, JB. Uh, what's really great about like the dispensarias and like what uh, JB was talking about, it is a place where the Cheech and Chong brand comes to life. It's uh, a place where you can go and engage with the brand like none other. You, as soon as you walk through the doors, our, our goal is for you to leave this world for just a moment and to enter the zany, quirky, universe that is Cheech and Chong. And we incorporate that not just in our dispensarias and the design and the texture of the wallpaper. And I do mean texture because Jasmine, uh, Jasmine Marin, who's Cheech's daughter, she has really done a lot of the design for this. And like the, the brand is in her blood quite literally. And the wallpaper itself has texture, but everything with our branding, when it comes to the D9 or the cruise shoes or the cannabis products, we want you to, when you pick up a product to know that it's Cheech and Chong, not just because it has Cheech and Chong on the label, but because of the design and the thought that goes into it and humor is just woven into every single thing that we do. And, and that's how we build out our brand. That's how we really get our consumer and our customer to not just be buying products, but to be a part of the brand itself. And that's how we can retain them and, and keep this legacy going. That's that sounds, I mean, I've seen some photos. I know that, I know that these, these spaces look really cool. Now, when you, you've got a whole design aesthetic that you provide and you said wallpaper murals, <laughs> you've got all the artwork that comes in. Yeah. Now, if I go to one of you, you've got a bunch of locations in Massachusetts, you said now. Mm -hmm. Three um, are going up right now. You're going up now. What's another state where you have a, a one running? Well, we're working on the, on one in New Mexico. It's part of a 10 chain deal. So yep. uh, we're working on mm -hmm. that. We also have some concepts on the CBD side, right? On the unregulated market too. Uh, that we're building out pretty quickly. Um, so, so my my question though was is is around the retail experience and how similar it is, right? So if I go into uh, a Massachusetts store or maybe even among different stores in Massachusetts, if you lo look at like an Apple store, they're pretty much identical, right? Um, but if you look at something like um, oh, what's the um, anthropology stores, right? Mm -hmm. They have the same stuff inside and the same design aesthetic, but they're laid out a little differently. Some of them have plant walls and different size stores. How do you approach that from um, a design aesthetic when you're working with a retailer? How similar is each uh, retail experience? 
Well, I'd relate it to like the Cheech and Chong movies, right? Like they're all Cheech and Chong, but they're all different, right? So and that's going to be similar with our dispensarias. We go in with a brand book, but they these are supposed to not just be like something that we plop down in the middle of our community. We want this to be integrated within the community itself. So in New Mexico, it's going to have the flavor of New Mexico, right? There's going to have different spices with it because that that's what we want is it to be an integration of community because at the end of the day, that's what cannabis really is, right? I, I have yet to meet somebody that has tried cannabis alone for the first time. Cannabis is based in community. And that's what we really are trying to do here at Chicha Chong is activate the, the cannabis community and give them a place for them to, to gather and be together. And not just for the canna head person, we obviously have products for them as well, but the canna curious, there is a lot of people that are trying cannabis for the first time or are, are maybe a little bit apprehensive. And our goal, with, especially with the dispensarias and our brand as a whole, is to be able to offer a comfortable place, a familiar place with a brand like Cheech and Chong that they probably have grown up with or at least know something about it and give them the opportunity to be able to take control of their health and try something different in a non-intimidating environment. Yeah, that's, it makes a lot of sense, especially with a brand that people know. Um, there's a lot of great cannabis brands out there, but if you're sure. coming into the space new uh, or coming into like the going to a retail experience for the first time and you're looking at a street and there's a variety of clever, pithy names and healthy names. Yeah. You've got Cheech and Chong, which I, the branding is very bright. Yes. Well, Jake, um, you joked. I'm from Utah, so my first experience with a dispensary, like with just a dispensary, I remember I went in and I was like, "Are the cops gonna come?" Like it was like it was an intimidating experience for me because I grew up in Utah with all the Mormons, so like it just wasn't that thing. And so I, I get that experience for a consumer to come in and it is just a wall of everything, and you're kind of like, "Where do I start?" And that's really where the education aspect of our brand comes in is educating the consumer to, to know what they're trying and also to activate the bud tenders. The bud tenders are like the lifeblood of, of dispensaries and also of the brands. Like they're, if somebody's coming in and doesn't really know a whole lot about cannabis, I can guarantee they're going to go off of what the bud tender recommends. And that's such a huge thing for a brand is to go in there and really activate the bud tenders and turn them into your greatest brand advocates by incentivizing them and also letting them understand the passion and the drive that's behind your brand in particular. That's yeah, that's one of our goals. I mean, you know, we started Bullmates just a little while ago mm -hmm. and, it, it and just what is that grew it's, it's, you know, what we saw was like a lot of the social media sites, if you wanted to talk about cannabis, like you would get flagged, you get removed. There was a lot of limitations to that. Right. And so we decided to create with Ear to Ground uh, a systematic approach called Bullmates, which looks a lot like Twitter spaces mixed in with Instagram, mixed in with Facebook. Uh, it's just kind of a hybrid of, 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 you know, user interface that you would be accustomed to, right? So it's not daunting or intimidating. And this is where you see a lot of people talking about cannabis, not, not just Cheech and Chong cannabis. And you know, Cheech and Chong go in there and they have safety meetings, which is just basically a, a smoking session with Cheech and Chong where people can ask them questions, which is great, right? Like, but we're getting and trying to engage more, more of those bud tenders, more of those dispensary owners, more of those growers to come into, come into there and, and feel free to say whatever they want to say, right? Um, you know, be respectful of others, obviously, but uh, it's not something where you're going to get flagged because you posted, uh, you know, your recipe for a concentrate or something like that. So, yeah. 
you know, really trying to engage them into that community that Brooke's talking about, which is so important. Like everybody feels like a part of Cheech and Chong. It's, it's kind of amazing how many like emails we get inviting them to weddings and birthdays. And so they're, 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 you know, uncle Tommy, I hear a lot of right from people. Mm -hmm. So they, it's almost like two family members to a lot of the audiences and fans that we have. And so to be able to bring in that community feel and aspect into the dispensarias, into bowl mates and moving it back and forth, right? A lot of the bowl mates get uh, benefits for being bowl mates. So they are the first of a lot of things, right? Which is fantastic for them, which plays right into the dispensaries. It allows people to talk about products uh, in bowl mates to the audience of bowl mates and, and do webcasts and stuff. Generally like what you're doing here for businesses in, in the cannabis section, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a fantastic thing to continue to push that community aspect uh, that really made Cheech and Chong, right? It's it's something where these people are really diehard fans, which is amazing. And we wanted to build something for them, specifically for them and reward them uh, for all those years of, of, of following these guys and being big fans of these guys. So we we definitely did that. And, and we're utilizing that into the re regulated space of these dispensaries. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Bullmates is your own product, web-based product where people can build community. Um, but I know that you also are active on social media. Uh, I know you've had a lot of su success on TikTok, for example. And um, I'm curious as to how you intersect um, where you've got like a younger generation on TikTok and you've got mm -hmm. like probably the greatest legacy cannabis brand. But, you know, I know my I've got like a 15-year-old daughter who should not be consuming cannabis. It's not the point. But- right. um, she doesn't necessarily, she didn't grow up knowing what Cheech and Chong was, right? So right. you've got, you know, the, the younger generation, how are you bridging that, that gap? Comedy and education, right? And entertainment. That, that's really what it is, is it's, the guys are funny, right? Like the cat's out of the bag, the guys are funny. And uh, they're funny to all generations. And that's really what we do on our social media is just keeping that authenticity of what the guys have always done. And, and they're, they enjoy doing it. Like Tommy is doing TikToks like today's in the studio. Like they enjoy being a part of culture and of community. And that, that's what our goal is with our social media. It's really just to kind of give you a, a look into their lives, right? It's really more of that grassroots approach of the brand of what's really going on with the people. And it, it obviously gets us new eyes, right? That's, it's the time that we can introduce people to our brand. And then bowl mates are for the, the people that want to really engage and be a part of the cannabis community in that way. So we kind of have a, we're able to play to, to both sides of just on social media where we're able to get that reach and those fresh eyeballs as well as our paid strategy. That's how we get new people to be able to check out our products and just to see what we're about. And then Bullmates is, is for the family. Like you were saying, Uncle Tommy and uh, Uncle Cheech, my daughter does call Tommy Uncle Tommy. And, then that, and that's just who they are. They are these godfathers, these stewards of, of cannabis and also just comedy and culture. They've impacted people's lives in so many different ways, not just the cannabis community. Yeah. And you can see that it just, you know, from, from the Wolf of Wall Street to Zootopia. I mean, Tom yes. is pretty, I mean, I was watching Billions the other night uh, and I'm a few seasons behind, so don't smoke. <laughs> okay. But, but there was definitely a reference to up and smoke, like, yes. Tom, right. And, and yeah. so you see this just correlating outward through different, different venues uh, in, in different, different scopes of, of different worlds. Right. Um, that that plays very well into the brand and so their their influence is is felt all over the place 
and you know jake on the side of products like it's interesting on the audiences that we sell to like when i was looking at the drink sales uh when we were testing them in california you know it was almost 95 96 percent women between the age of 21 <laughs> and 45 right so unexpected to see that right uh but but it's amazing some of those products too transcend that audience uh besides just the social media outreach the tiktoks and just the culture that they've been in for 50 plus years i mean mm -hmm. these guys are the stories they can tell you um you know all the way from from you know belushi to to now to the here and now is is pretty amazing their their interconnectivity to uh to culture that's great so let's say I mean, you've got a, a pretty good machine set up in, in terms of leveraging organic social, leveraging paid media on digital. I saw some memes going around on, on, on Twitter <laughs> X and I, I got yeah. lots of notice. They were like, there were people complaining that it seemed like you were the only advertiser. You uh, saw those, eh? On Twitter, yeah. You <laughs> didn't I only did. see them. He sent them to me on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, again, all PR is good, yeah. mostly. Yeah. Um, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so, the, but what you are, what that demonstrates though, is you're activating across all channels, right? We so are. you've got organic social, you've got paid media, you have retail, um, and then mm -hmm. you have your brand experience. Now you legitimately have like a pretty big secret weapon, not a secret weapon, but you have a large advantage being able to leverage the Cheech and Chong brand. Um, maybe you could talk about, let's say you didn't have the Cheech and Chong brand and there's some retailers here that, um, are, are in the audience. What is a sort of a simple kind of entry level recipe of like, here's how you can tie these pieces together to drive engagement at the retail level and, and, and retention. Mm -hmm. You got to know your customer, right? At the end of the day, that's the, the biggest thing is you've got to know who you're trying to sell to, who you're trying to connect with, because at the end of the day, that's really what selling and I think uh, having a brand, it's all about that connection, right? And I, I know exactly where you're going because like people say that to me all the time. It's easy for you to say you got Cheech and Chong. And yes, we do. Yes, we do have Cheech and Chong, but you still, even with a brand that resonates like that, you still have to do everything right. You need to be putting a casting a wide net. You need to be doing paid strategy online. You need to be building your brand on social. You need to be out hitting the pavement, doing like driveways with a, like the re retail brand. You have to be out there and putting your brand out there constantly, because if you only do one thing, you'll never be a, a full brand to, in order to fully succeed. And it's something that we thread the needle with every single day of, you know, where, where do we go to, what do we need to be doing? Because it's, it's, it's hard to build a brand. Now we all know, especially in like the paid uh, strategies, like I think everybody got caught up with the iOS update that happened a while back. And we all still are trying to find our, our footing and things like that. We have the joke here around Cheech and Chong that we'll try anything twice. And it's true. We'll try anything twice. And it's because we look at our data, we look at our metrics and we make calculated decisions about where to go and what to do. Yeah. And I think Jake, it's, it's, I mean, just to follow up on that it's tough right out there mm -hmm. in the canvas space right now uh for a variety of different reasons and there is some strength in numbers like you see a lot of people running to to a cookies or to a willie nelson or, or something and, and that's fine I, we wanted to do more for them um in that sense right we wanted to be actively engaged on on products right we are right joey marin uh, mm -hmm. is is actively engaged there and making sure we get great products we wanted to follow terp profiles into our packaging um, and, and we wanted to use our size to, to help others, right? So on the licensing side, a lot of times what we're doing is we're helping somebody, you know, whether it's in wholesale or retail 
component, they may have their own brand, right? But this this could get them in the door in a lot of places that may not be interested in, in talking to them from from the from the jump, right? So, and, and we're going to play with them, and we want them to be successful, right? Not just with us, but whatever they're doing, because we want to have long term relationships with our licensee holders um, as this grows. So, you know, strength in numbers, supporting things, supporting initiatives. Uh, there's a lot of charities out there that that we try to help out or write letters for. Uh, for people that have been locked up for cannabis. So, you know, just just trying to move the ball because if if everybody kind of runs their own direction, there's no force um, mm. that that can be met, right? Because you know, it's very tough, obviously, uh, dealing with with politicians and and markets and and you know the regulations, Jake, that you've had to deal with, you know, on the mm. advertising side for media gel. I mean, th these are no joke, right? So, yeah. you know teaming up with people, working out relationships too is, is highly important. If you're just a single brand out there and you don't have Cheech and Chong, you know, you shouldn't see everybody. Yes, they are your competition to an extent, but you should also mm -hmm. try to find ways to bridge gaps and, and work together because it's, it's for the benefit of all, right? Like yeah. the only way we get there is, is by all working together and not working in, in separate directions and, 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 you know, fighting amongst each other. Yeah. We all want the same thing and that's access for people to the plant, right? That's at the end of the day. That's what we're all gearing towards is trying to get the the access to people that want and need it most. Right. Yeah. So on the, on the note of collaboration, um, we have, you know, we've run campaigns like this in the past where we'll work with a brand and a retailer at the same time. Right. And we do a co-marketing campaign, you know, get Y brand at Z dispensary, run that in a radius around wherever that dispensary is. Um, although, you know, those campaigns are effective, but they, I found that they don't usually last very long. And I feel like it's because a lot of times it's difficult for, there's a complicated relationship between the retailer and the brands when they're not the same party, um, right. especially in California, because we have cash flow issues everywhere, right? So you've got, you have all these financial considerations that are making things complicated where in the traditional CPG world, it's a, it's a little more established about how you would do co-marketing, how you would mm -hmm. pay for NCAP, how you'd support with digital. Um, one of the advantages, I guess, that you have here is, is that in the case where you've got both a brand support and um, it's, a, it's a licensed retailer, um, that works well for your channel. Have you found, I know, I know that it's, it's a newer effort for you. You've got a bunch of stores open and there's a bunch more coming, but have you found that being able to demonstrate the value of a cohesive brand plus retail marketing strategy is allowing those retailers to try to apply that with other brands they may be carrying. Um, because you've got a template that you can control both sides of and say, look, look at how well this works. Yeah. Um, no, is that good, something you've seen good, at all? Yeah. I mean, good point. You know, you and I spoke a while back, Jake, about there was a, uh, you know, we have a wholesaler. We, we work with Redwood in, in Las Vegas, right? In Nevada. And uh, there was a, a chain of dispensaries and specifically they wanted to target like geofence location device IDs in camping world, which was across the street, right? They felt like they could get that. The problem there was they weren't going to let us hook into a POS system to monitor how this advertisement was actually working and make adjustments. And so inevitably that deal fell through. In our situation currently, like with our dispensary is like we're working with Dutchie. Uh, and we're willing to work with others too, but we, we need to be in part of that POS so that we can connect this all through and see how it's going, right? We need to be able to measure 
because when people speak about marketing and spending, that's great. But if you don't know what you're getting back for that, it becomes problematic. And the first thing to go when you're not getting that net result on your financial sheets is generally marketing and then, you know, personnel, right? So, you know, the trick really is, is like being able to say, hey, look, this should not go because even though we're in a turbulent time, this marketing is working and here's the numbers, but you got to be connected into the systems, those POS channels to see how those advertisements are playing through the actual sales process, not just, hey, look, we got 8 billion impressions. That, that's great, right? That, that's a great start, right? But, but then being able to see what that is turning into revenue so that you can adjust your spend accordingly or rework campaigns or fix your sales funnel. These are all really important aspects to the marketing game that matter. And, and until we got into the Spenceria level, we weren't able necessarily to do that, right? Because a lot of people are kind of shy about allowing you into their POS system uh, to, to do an API feed there so that you can figure this stuff out. So now that we're in that, we can activate bull mates, we can activate our social media, we can do things uh, even with X. I always want to say Twitter, but with X now. I know, I'm working yeah. on it. When is like the uh, is like a cutoff been... date? Where we're, because still people get confused when you say X or is there like, is it November or Christmas where we all say X? Like, when does that happen? I've been I've, corrected many times on media calls. So yeah. I think it's now. It's now? Okay. Yeah. So, sometimes you say X and people are like, they give you a blank look and then you say yeah. Twitter and it, it kicks in. But, you know, being able to to rotate through all that and have that interconnectivity so that we can actually measure uh, because that's what we do really well on the B2C side, right? We're able to measure our spend and what's working, what's not working, what inventory, what buyer is really moving, moving the ball for us. Uh, being able now to do that on a ground level uh, in a regulated market through a POS system is huge, right? Because it gives us all kinds of advantage and it gives our licensees a massive advantage on that too, as well. Yeah, we've run, um, like I said, we've done successful co-marketing campaigns in the past with some of the large, larger brands in, in California with, call it a dozen different retailers, right? And so each creative was tailored towards that specific retailer. We found that, but one thing that happens for a brand is the reality is consumers, even if they come in through your marketing channel and they're likely to buy your product, they're going to buy other stuff too, mm-hmm. right? That's just what happens. People want different things when they when they fill up their basket at a dispensary. You know, the numbers we saw on average was, was about 50%, meaning like 50% of the basket value was going to the brand that actually did the marketing and 50% was going to whatever gummies or stuff or, you know, laying around the checkout yeah. that they wanted. Um, Impulse part of that is, What's that? An impulse buy. Impulse buy or the or the reality is like most brands don't cover all the different kinds of SKUs, right? Like, so you've got this brand, they have gummies and tinctures, but they don't make pre-rolls and so everybody, well, many people want to get a couple of pre-rolls, right? When they <laughs> do their order. So um, I still feel, feel like that's an incredibly valid, you know, marketing program. Um, but you do have to get that connection. So we usually pull that off the e-com platform like Dutchie, mm-hmm. for example, and we yeah. can see what basket items were in there. Um, but like many things in the cannabis space, the data is still fragmented and siloed, right? Online orders is one thing. Offline orders is another thing. What's happening on your loyalty program? What's happening on cash payers? Um, it does make it, it makes it very difficult for a marketer, especially since at least on the regulated side, you don't get to write off marketing dollars, right? So mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden you're getting, and some, if you look at it at a black and white level, you're like, okay, I'm only getting 50% of the sales I'm marketing for. And then I'm paying extra 30% because of taxes. 
once that gets to the CFO desk, it, it sometimes becomes difficult to continue to justify those things. Yeah. Well, I think you got to look at lifetime customer value too. Exactly. Right? There's an aspect that I think people miss a lot when they're looking at those basic black and white numbers. Like if that customer has a value, you know, maybe maybe you broke even or lost a little money in that first, first buy by that customer, but over time, that can be a very profitable customer for you, right? So- <laughs> You know, there's another metric that 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 we look at, right? Between our email campaigns and, and everything we're doing on how many emails are being opened, how, how many purchases are being made. Like we're we're evaluating that lifetime customer value, right? Because we have the paid side and then we have the social media side and then we have bullmates and, and then we have the POS system. So we can see this traffic coming in and what they're buying and, and start comparing notes on what that lifetime customer value is uh, with with an individual, right? and how, mm -hmm. how engaged, how active they are at, at buying. And it's pretty incredible. I mean, even on Tommy's side, just on the CBD that was set up, uh, you know, by Brandon and Steve Gunn, like that lifetime subscription customer value that's there that just rolls through month after month is, is pretty amazing that what those guys were able to achieve mm -hmm. on, on something basic like that. So, you know, the goal is to optimize that across into the regulated market as well. And, and that's really what we've been working on, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. If you start looking at it more from that sense, you know, we were having this conversation about weed maps and there was a massive attrition rate for some of the advertisement there, but, but the 19 or 20 or 30%, depending on the, the brand and the, the advertisement done by weed maps that was staying still had a massive lifetime value, right? So even though that initial buy wasn't, you know, didn't look necessarily scalable, the lifetime value of some of those customers uh, could could definitely get there. Yeah, let's dig into that a little more. Lifetime value, um, and just in general, the KPIs that your organization is looking at, both yeah. from like a retail perspective and an online or D2C perspective, which are really two very, very different things, different businesses. Absolutely. So we can talk about one and then the other, but what are the data points that you look at that you find help you drive success that other people can look at mm -hmm. in their own business and say, these are the numbers I should be looking at? Right. Well, when you're doing like a, a paid ad strategy online, like you need to have a healthy ROAS, right? Like that's just like simple math. If you're putting too much in and not getting enough out, you absolutely need to have a strong ROAS so that you're able to be profitable. But um, my biggest metric, and I'm going to sound a little bit like I'm repeating JB here, but it is the thing that I care the most about on both sides. And it is the customer lifetime value because it is so easy it, to sell somebody once, right? You can have a like hot shit marketing campaign that just drops and it gets people's attention. You can have a name like Cheech and Chong or Mike Tyson or anybody to get somebody's attention and have them buy once. But in order to retain a customer, now you're dealing with the customer experience. And that has so much to do with how you're treating the customer. That's the support in the retail stores. That's your bud tenders. That's your um, actual customer support. When they call in, if there's an issue with fulfillment, it also is like how you're fulfilling the products themselves. And it really gets down to also the quality of the product itself. If you don't have a strong quality of your product, you don't have a brand period because nobody's going to keep on rebuying or they're going to tell you everyone else how bad it was. So when it really is, when I look at the metrics, we look at everything, by the way, like if, if, if somebody would give me their blood type, I will look at their blood type because there's probably something in there that I can figure out a buying habit because you really need to know your customer. If you don't know your customer, then you definitely won't be able to sell to them. And you sure as hell won't be able to make them happy at the end of the day. 
And that's really what we're in the business of as a CPG. Like you are trying to make the consumer happy. You're providing a product and you're giving it to them. It's, you know, it's simple, but we have a lot of complicated things in order to do that. So those are really the metrics that I look at the most. It is that lifetime customer value is what really matters the most. And then also, you know, like managing your spend and being able to pivot. If something isn't working, pivot, try new creative, do what you can, diversify your portfolio in the platform that you're on. We're constantly dealing with regulations like JB was talking about of, we can't run this ad anymore, even though it was really well, it was performing. So it's working with the platforms in order to understand the guidelines and to thread that needle and find out where that line is and go right up to that line and to, to make the sale the best way you possibly can. Yeah, that's, uh, it's refreshing to hear. I would say that a lot of, um, you know, a lot of dispensary owners, have, they have to do a lot of things, right? In order to yes. keep those lights on. And most of them didn't go to school for marketing. And mm -hmm. so you have, you end up with a relatively sort of, and most of the problems of dispensary owners are short term, like mm -hmm. paying rent is difficult sometimes. Yes. Getting paid by, you know, getting the cash, paying your bills, now taxes, all those things. But what I see a lot of is people really only thinking in like 30 to 60 to 90 days mm -hmm. in terms of when they're looking at marketing. Um, and I realize it's difficult to invest in brand equity and LTV when you're when you're in that sort of, you know, kind of flying by the seat of your pants in some survival ways. Survival mode, you know. Survival mode. Mm -hmm. um, but that does, it does influence how people approach marketing campaigns sometimes. They're like, okay, well... I'm going to run this campaign and I got, you know, we talk about ROAS, um, mm -hmm. let's say, let's take a, a not great example. Let's say you spent $10,000 and you generated $10,000 in sales. Okay. So yeah. obviously you've lost money there because you don't, you know, you have costs and all these other things. Yeah. But the real question is, is if that $10,000 represents a hundred customers that each spent a thousand or a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. I think that math is right. Um, Anyway, don't ask for, me. <laughs> yeah. So for that, that number of customers, um, how many of them are going to continue to be your customer, right? Mm -hmm. That over time you, you know, you make money off of that customer and that gets directly into what I see as the most overlooked marketing tactic, which is retention marketing. Yes. So people sure. are very excited to get new customers. Yeah. And then usually the very next thing they want to do is stop marketing to them. They're like, I want to put them on an exclusion list. Uh -huh. right? And we you know, try to have a conversation with people about the fact that, okay, let's take every major brand, you know, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Budweiser, whatever, mm -hmm. like everybody knows who they are, right? There's a reason why they're still marketing. Um, and that doesn't not exist for cannabis brands. It's still a brand. You still need to build it. How do you think about retention marketing from a budgeting perspective and and how that impacts your LTV? Uh, it's all about what we were saying, like that customer experience. Once we retain you, you're our family. Like we, we market specifically to our super fans because that really is where a lot of your revenue is going to uh, come from is going back to those, those, those customers, you know, they're a sure thing, right? You know, so we do our, our email lists. We are constantly giving them incentives to buy and also to become your brand ambassador. 
your people are more likely to buy something if they've heard somebody else has had a great experience. We also, another metric that we look at is our reviews. We are all over our reviews to make sure that we're on top of things with our, with our customer experience. But we do, we look at retaining that customer and we'll do saves. It's, we want to keep that customer and to keep them close because they are, they're your, they're your P1. Once you know who that person is too, you're able to know a lot more about your other customers that are potential customers because you know about this one person. You're able to look at their profile and to be able to figure out what their likes and interests are. And then you'll be able to possibly use that one person to find uh, other eyeballs to, to find and sell. That's a good point. That's something that I think um, is another thing that many cannabis, cannabis marketers not may not be aware of. You know, if you have a list of email addresses of customers mm -hmm. that have purchased, it doesn't take a lot of those people to put into a model and then do lookalike modeling, right? So exactly, you can yeah. take your email list, we can, you know, encrypt that, we can run it into an identity graph and say, okay, this particular, your customers index towards this age, gender, income, mm -hmm. um, ethnicity, voting patterns, Yes. any one of these characteristics. And this is what, you know, this is what CPG companies do. And we can return back. Here are, you know, okay, you've got 20,000 customers. Here's 100,000 people in your market that are very similar people that you've never spoken to. And let's market to them with the same messaging that has worked on your existing customers. Absolutely. Like, for example, I've like, I always have these because they're like, they save me during the day, our cruise shoes, like our, our cruise shoes, they go to the baby boomers. They, an older market loves the, loves these. And also like a more conservative person. And that's something that we found from looking at our data. And that's who we do the lookalike list. And we found our target customer because that's, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for a crazy cannabis rush. They're, they still, they, they're adults. They got things to do. They need something smaller, like just a few milligrams of THC to get through their day and feel a little bit better. Yeah. So cruise juice, that's a legal product mm -hmm. unregulated, right? Cause it falls within the farm bill guidelines, yeah, Delta nine, um, which means you can ship it. You can fly with it. Direct to your drawer, Jake. You just let me know. I'll send some yeah, to you. I, I, well, <laughs> Jake's, Jake's well aware. He was oh, good. Oh, the, good. The Twitter ad on that, like, <laughs> yeah, we, we got a lot of a lot of earned media based on on what the spend looked like on yeah. X, sorry, X um, on that specific product, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the minute those those doors start opening up, and then we're able to then use that data points into the regulated market. So, just like what you're saying understanding the customer, Jake, from what you can do on, on that side. But it, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, how, how fast it, you can move, if you, especially if you have some hero products. We got a mm -hmm. good one coming out for Black Friday. I won't spoil that. I know Brandon's yeah. working in the lab on that. He's excited. Yeah, we got another one coming out that that we're definitely going to do a massive push on um, for, for, you know, Black Friday. But uh, that product alone, it's amazing how many units of that we sell a week. Like mm -hmm. I'm just always blown away and, it, and it's a fantastic product. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just knowing the audience, right. Not everybody in cannabis wants to get super high, right. Like some people want to have more of a mellow uh, scenario. Right. And so, and, and we are making something that with a little more gas to it, so to speak, mm -hmm. it's a little more octane, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's something that is a fantastic product for a lot of people. And, and how do you attract that person who is, you know, the soccer mom, right? She's mm -hmm. not necessarily going to work in the dispensary. So there's two ways of going about that in our mind. One is product specifically built for them. 
some of the drinks are, are, you know, the seltzer waters are specifically built, doesn't have the calorie, mm-hmm. has a nice little buzz, mellow buzz to it. It's a great alcohol replacement up oh, there is one. <laughs> there we and, go. Right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you have the dispensaria model, which is opening and inviting and, and has Cheech and Chong's name on it. So trying to capture some of those people that are, are kind of on the fence or, or have looked at the space and in, in wonderment or, or worried about walking into the dispensary that there might be some kind of you know, fed bus going on in that dispensary when they're in it, you know, so trying to get them into a, a safe place, moving them kind of down the path of, of what this all looks like, because, you know, cannabis has some, some great effects for people and, and it definitely can be used functionally. And that was one of the things Tommy was saying from the jump to me was like, <laughs> Hey, we tried to portray an image that, you know, you don't just smoke cannabis and go rob a bank. You can smoke cannabis <laughs> and go, you know, do, do music, be in a band, you can go lift weights, you can, Mm -hmm. you can be productive with this, right? It doesn't have to be something where you find yourself couch locked. And so, you know, those words have really resonated in this brand from, from Tommy and from Cheech and, and trying to build products that just completely capture an entire audience. Uh, If you, if you look at what we have, we have everything from regulated to unregulated. We're trying to reach the entire audience uh, so that they can have products and and it's in their wheelhouse, right? You know, not everybody wants a beer, not everybody wants hard alcohol. You know, some people might like wine coolers. So, you know, being able to have a widespread range of products is highly important to a, a, attract more more of that audience participation uh, in the brand. And you know, given that you have quite a few brands now, I mean, they're all sort of in the Cheech and Chong pantheon, but your they're, they're different use cases. They're targeted at different demographics. Um, how do you make sure that, or allocate your resources to, to support so many different things at the same time? And at some point you're like, okay, well, we've got like 20 things. We got to stop supporting a couple of them. Like how, how, uh, how much dialogue is there around that internally? <laughs> Ready, aim, fire, fix. No, uh-huh. yeah. um, <laughs> build the plane uh, while you're flying. <laughs> no, it's something where like we're we're in a position where we are cash flow positive, right? So we're able to use our net revenue generation to bring on new products and move them out into the marketplace in which we're comfortable with the media spend, the product costs, and try some things. Will they all be winners? No, that's not not what happens. But but if you get a few that are, it, it will cover the few that aren't, right? And then more so and allow you to continue developing. I mean, this one, you know, from from the B direct from you know B to C direct to consumer channel, it went from just basic CBD products to Delta 9 gummies to Delta 9 drinks, uh, to more more products that are coming out rather quickly. So, you know, being able to do that and, and same on the regulated, like let's make sure our products are right and we have products in states so that when we go and, and go to look for a licensing deal for a dispensaria, like we can work that system together. Um, so it, it, it's something that's taken a while, obviously the last three years to build uh, to this point, you know, so we want to make sure like, yes, we want to be aggressive, like what you're saying, Jake, but we also want to make sure that we have the coverage to support that aggression both financially, marketing, product-wise, and and with operators, right? Licensees are are operators. So we want to make sure that we're having those productive conversations across the board with the people that are engaged in in each aspect of that for regulated and unregulated markets so that we can continue to build in a direction that doesn't, you know, sink the ship, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. You you don't want to get over your skis on something that's just not going to work. So 
it allows us to leverage our risk in our favor drastically, uh, having all those components and being able to, to see, you know, we didn't roll out the retail license model immediately. And there was a reason for that because we wanted to see how the products were doing and how the brand was doing in certain areas and get data points and, and COAs and understand the sales process. And once we did, we moved quickly to retail, right? Because we knew at that point, those retail uh, shops would, 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 would work. So, uh, and they, and they are, so yeah, just, you know, making sure you're taking those steps uh, in, in a, the most informed way with the most data you can get is, is hugely, hugely important uh, for us and, and for any company out there. Patience. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Something right. I have to tell myself all the time. Cause I get excited. I'm like, let's go, let's do it. But that's really what it is. There's a saying in like broadcasting that 10 years is an overnight success. And I feel the same way about building brands and businesses. It, it starts with an idea and then you, it takes, it takes time and you have to be patient because if you try and scale too fast, you'll fail. And if you don't, if you're not ready for that opportunity, you'll fail. So it's, it's all about just making sure that you have the data in front of you, have the metrics and making the right moves at the right time and just being patient, but pulling the trigger when you need to. Yeah, and I mean, Jake, it goes back to a point you're making on 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 brand on, on providers on on operators, right? Not mm -hmm. having a full skew, and that's why the basket was fifty theirs and fifty someone else's. You know, generally when we walk into a state with a wholesale license, like we're going to start off small. We're not trying to do a full menu day one because that that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So we're you know we'll come out with some flowers, some pre rolls, some some of the products we know that that are traditionally really well really well sold in those marketplaces, and then build from there. But then we have other licensees that are coming in saying, hey, look, I just ran. Can you guys make me a name for a two grand blunt, right? So we did the Cochiba, right, in, in Nevada. And, and then as it sold, then we took it to other licensees and said, hey, we're having some success here. You know, would you like to get in on something like this? Can can we build this product for you? Because this is what we're seeing it do. So being able to spread that, um, you know, in that manner makes a lot more sense than, than just diving headfirst into the unknown. Who, uh... Who gets to come up with the fun names of like the products? Chichilada. I want to be in that room. How does that happen? It, everybody. That's what's so fun is we do. It's a very democratic over here at Cheech and Chong. We have a naming convention list and everybody just throws it up on the wall and we kind of see what sticks. And that's what's fun is that every single person that works at Cheech and Chong is a huge part of the brand. And that's what's what I love the most about working for this company is the, all the people that I get to work with and everybody plays very key roles and pivotal roles. And everyone is just as much a part of the brand as Cheech and Tommy themselves. Yeah. A lot of it originally started with two guys, you know, very well, Jake, not Tali <laughs> and uh, Aaron. Yeah. A not, lot of that. A lot of that that's work right there. He did. Yeah, 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 many years there, ago he's a genius he's yeah. a genius so a lot of it started with those guys and, and kind of mm -hmm. and kind of spread out but yeah no brooks right it is a complete team effort everybody that works at the company is mm -hmm. ultimately excited to be here um yeah. and they have to be because we don't pay great i'm, <laughs> I'm kidding that's but that's like every major brand i was you know i spent a lot of time like early in my <laughs> doing content for the large movie studios right uh -huh. we start working with people at disney and warner brothers and yep not knowing what how it worked, you just assumed all those guys were paid really well. Yeah, um, they were not right. They, nope. you know, there's a certain amount TV of TV like, in oh, general. Yeah, you're lucky to be here. <laughs> That's the yeah. Mentality, you get to put right? this on your resume. You should pay us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I do want to get. Um, we do have a Q and A section. We're um, we're okay. running up on time here. Um, if anybody wants to ask some questions, uh, we do have 
well, we have someone who wants to buy your products. Uh, Orlando, I, I will I will get Jonathan your phone number that you've Thanks, listed, Orlando. <laughs> um, and he'll reach out to you afterwards or or someone will. Um, there was a question about asking your dispensarias in terms of which ones are do, doing better than others. I don't think that they're Not even going to answer revenue questions for their licensors. So I'll, I'll just, unless you want to, I don't think yeah. you No. Okay, we'll skip over that. Um, this is a question from August, which is, what was the most challenging state to get into? Uh, not get into, but the most challenging state is Michigan, right? Michigan yeah. rates a lot like California without the population. Mm -hmm. So Michigan has always been kind of, there was a massive recall by a, by a, a testing company that did about 85% of the cannabis testing there. Uh, and they had kind of messed up on some of the COAs. So there was a massive recall. There's been all kinds of brand issues uh, in Michigan. So, and, and their deli style. So I think, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, that that's a challenge, but there's challenges in every state. Uh, I, and it's not hard for us. Like a lot of people come to us and, and, and obviously we have to evaluate the situation, but it's not hard for us to get into a state. It, it's hard to operate within that state's norms, right? Like understanding different markets, going back to Vegas, like blunts are a better seller than flower, right? Because people are traveling to Vegas, right? So, you know, Alaska has a has literally like the cruise lines when it's summer it does really well but the winter does nothing right so mm -hmm. there's a lot of different states and different markets that have different different formalities that, that are misunderstood and and you have to get a grasp on what those look like you know we're in Germany Malta Switzerland and we had to go through the you know the the testing obviously because it's medical right so yeah. that was a very challenging um, I guess not state but country to get into. Mm -hmm was because we had to wait through a lot of those processes to make sure that we were approved. And then it, it's C&C there, right? We can't yeah. say Chi Chong because, you know, our, our German friends think that that somehow is is too much fun, I guess, <laughs> um, for them. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of these things that there are a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, Arkansas was made us take the icons off the packaging, right? Because, mm -hmm you know, cookies came in there in a very strong wave and, uh, and kind of shook the snow globe. And, uh, we all got our hands slapped a little bit on, on how we package products, us and them. So every state has a challenge. Uh, I'd love to get into Texas. Obviously we, we can't go there, but we have, we have products that are on the non-regulated side that we can mm -hmm. move there. So, um, I think Texas will probably present a massive challenge, but, uh, it should be entertaining when that, when that floodgate opens. So, yeah, we're looking. We're looking at at anywhere there's an opportunity, and and trying to understand the marketplace and and what will work and what won't work, and and where the similarities are to other states. That makes sense. Yeah, we have. Um, we work in all the states at this point. Um, some are definitely more difficult from an advertising perspective. Mm -hmm. You've got a handful of states where you have to get the actual ad creative approved by someone in the government. Ooh. Um, and yeah. if that person's on vacation, you uh, should not be launching that campaign. Yeah. Pennsylvania, uh, Minnesota, Florida yeah. has something similar. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's there's a there's a unlimited number of challenges that you are allowed to face yeah. in the cannabis industry. It appears. Yes, I've got a lot of emails out that I'm waiting to get approval of creative back. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we've got the on the actual supply side we've got that sorted out for a while now which is that from the actual publishers that we work with we have explicit approval from them mm -hmm. they know that we're sending them ads about cannabis they know that we know the laws but then you still have this issue of getting you know getting through the hoop with the whatever the state agency is yeah 
So, um, and I, you know, I had the cruise cheese packaging and I, a funny thing occurred to me, which is that not that the TSA really cares about cannabis at oh, all, yeah. but like, you now have a, a jar that says Cheech and Chong cannabis on it. That is a, a legal transport vessel, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Across, uh, anyway, it's, it's kind of a funny world that we live in right now, yeah. the way the laws have shaped up. Yeah. Well, uh, Tommy always is complaining to me that he always gets extra security whenever he travels. And I'm like, well, go figure you're Tommy Chong. Yeah. <laughs> that is not surprising. <laughs> they're they're going to expect you to have something. And he's always they're asking probably, you, I'm okay with the cruise shoes, right? They're probably <laughs> hoping to like get a pre-roll off of him and like sell it. Yeah. Like I have Tommy Chong's pre-roll. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, we have, I think we're good on questions here. Oh no, we're not. We have a couple. Um, Let's see. How do you market a product? How do you market a great product that's healthy for our customers and better for the planet with an extremely limited budget for marketing? Oof, that's tough. It, well, it's, it's hard to market anything. So it's activating the base that you already have, right? So having a strong brand identity and knowing um, who your customer is, marketing to the people that you already have, and um, just creating like the ad campaign that you can within it. If you have a good product and it's just getting the word out to people, that's like the, that's the strategy that you need to operate under. But it's difficult right now of you need to be able to look at your data and figure out, do a precision based advertising campaign, right? You don't want to be, this isn't the time where you're doing a bunch of split tests and throwing money at it and seeing what works, right? So it's just really looking deep diving into who your exact customer is knowing exactly what they want and making sure that your targeting is going directly to that person, whether that be using existing profiles of your customers and making um, a list off of that or creating a new profile. But you just want to make sure that you are really focusing in on your target audience so you can be surgical and get acquire that customer as cheaply as possible. That's tough though. It's that's the J I'm always bugging JB and everybody else. Like we need more money. <laughs> like that's what every marketer wants more money, right? That's it. It'll work. Yeah. Just give me some more money. Increase budget. I promise it'll work. It'll work. And we're almost there. This, <laughs> this is the breaking, the break it, just break it. But that yeah. it's tough. And I feel your pain. Whoever, whoever that is, it's, that's, it's uh, tough. Sinead. Yeah. Sinead, it's tough and it's mm-hmm. hard. And to, but just really focus on what you're creative that you're putting out there. That's the biggest thing. We, I, I, and, and a lot of creative too, if you have the capability for it, we are constantly with our machine. I'm adding at least five new pieces of creative on each platform a week to just keep it fresh, keep it going so that people are constantly being able to engage with the brand. That's a, that's an aggressive schedule. Congratulations it is. for that. It's really hard. <laughs> Yeah, we, got, we have a lot of smart people, but it's really difficult to get all that creative out there. That's great. Yeah. Um, we're wrapping up on time here at the top of the hour. Uh, we're not on broadcast, Brooke, though, so it's not like there's another program starting. Oh, we good. Go by a minute. No, this, we're not just going to get like the, the color um, bar. <laughs> color bar. Yeah, you're done. Get off. Uh, but uh, maybe you could tell uh, everyone here and then also these get these get restream later when people look at them, um, how people can reach you, who might be interested in talking to you. I know you want to talk to retailers, but uh, maybe some contact info. I, If you want, Jonathan, I can post your personal number here in the chat. No? Okay. Um, yeah, we, take everything to Jonathan. That's yeah, that's yeah. great. That's fine. Um, yeah, um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about the Dispensaria product or your products that mm-hmm. carry in their 
their non-branded retail locations. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just JB for Jonathan Black, JB at Cheech and A-N-D Chong.com. That's my email. Mm -hmm. Feel free to shoot over the emails. I mean, Brooke and I are generally looking at all the emails coming into info and everything anyway. Yeah. So uh, it'll just get to me a little bit quicker instead of being mm -hmm. filtered, but that is, that's what it is. And I, I believe Brooks is B-R-O-K-E at teachingchong.com. Yep. We so, keep it easy. Also, yeah. if you're on social media, you can slide into Cheech and Chong's DMs. I check those too. So yeah. <laughs> we'll be there. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there, as you can imagine. I bet. <laughs> it's, good, it's good stuff on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I'm going to do something a little different here since we have a rock and roll DJ. Um, I'm, I'm going to have Bro Brooke, you're going to, you're going to take us home and sign us off. Um, this is Jake Litke, uh, CEO of Media Gel. Uh, we do digital advertising for, um, for cannabis brands and I'll let our, our host Brooke, uh, the host. Yeah. Oh now you're the host. So now like, I'm the, you have the microphone. I am the captain that. now. All yeah. right. Well, big thank you from both GB, JB and myself for sticking around with us for the entire hour. It was so fun just to sit here and talk shop. And thanks so much for joining us. And please like and subscribe and give a five-star review to our friend Jake over here. Thanks so much for having us. Do you do, you do reviews? I don't know. I'm just throwing it in there. Uh, we do. Have, yeah, there's Google reviews. And I think there's some other places where we can there do you go. reviews. But... There you All go. right, thanks, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye. Thanks.